to head up just behind here and sit on this seat. And yeah, this is going to be a great morning this morning, and uh, we are kicking off a series called The Ultimate Life. And The Ultimate Life is uh, part of our ongoing theme that we've been talking about this year, which is Come Walk With Me. And you're right, Julie, it's absolutely amazing how it seems that we've been walking between stages, but at the same time, we're walking on this journey together. And so, yeah, so today I'm going to be talking about freedom. And it wasn't, I didn't know what Julie was going to be sharing on a communion time. I didn't know that Hannah was going to say what she said, but clearly God knew. So obviously there's a really strong message that um, God wants you to have and that he wants you to be set free today. Sam, I'll just get the clicker, mate. So in our Ultimate Life series, everyone say hi to Sam. Thanks, Sam. Sam's helping us with support. I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, in um, in our Ultimate Life series, we actually started it earlier in the year. And when we started it, can you check it again? Thank you, sorry. So when we started this series earlier in the year, Matt actually shared a a really key scripture in Jeremiah 18. And that scripture was about how Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. And when he went down to the potter's house, he actually saw the potter working and molding and shaping the clay. And it's like God wants us in this ultimate life 2.0. In this series, God wants to shape us. And I believe today, the key area which God would like to do that is that you would be released into freedom, which God intends you to live in. And so it's going to be a um, great journey we're going to go on together with this. So the big point, in case you lose connection with your Wi-Fi or the internet goes down or you're unable to hear anything else I say today, the big point of what I'm saying is that those who are in Christ Jesus are not a slave to sin. Come on. And that probably brings us to our kind of first little speed hump. And you might ask... What is sin? So I'm going to give a little bit of a definition this morning. Um, Sin is wrongdoing, and sin is an evil human act which is rooted in our desires and our selfish urges, and it compels us to act for our own benefit at the expense of others. At least a kind of like a chain reaction of a relationship breakdown between us and God and us and those other people which we've wronged. So that is what I'm talking about when I use the word sin today. And what does sin look like? Really, I don't have to tell you guys. I think you will probably know what sin looks like. Sin looks like stealing. Sin looks like things like killing and lying. And one thing in my experience is that when you actually commit this uh, sin, it's like it's followed by shame. Um, And often it's followed by secrets. You don't really talk about that with your parents. You don't really talk about that with someone from church. And, you know, it's often when people question us in an area which is sin, we often lie to hide it. So that's usually a bit of a telltale. Um, Now, Hannah touched on this earlier uh, this morning, but uh, a bit of my story is that I grew up in a Christian home and I believed in God and, um, you know, went to church every Sunday and those things. But, you know, there was something that happened and kind of fast forward into my late teenage years and I found myself stuck in this cycle of sin that Hannah was talking about. It's like I would sin, I would say sorry, I'd do it again. Next Sunday, uh, you know, and then I'd sin, I'd say sorry on the Sunday, I'd do it again. And so it was kind of like this repetitive cycle and I felt powerless. I felt like I had no way 
out of this thing. And I had a problem. I didn't really know what the problem was. So I'm going to talk about that problem. Now, here's the deal. Many of you guys have been trying to solve you for a long time. <laughs> your wife has said to you, you need to fix yourself. You need to go and talk to someone. You know, your kids have said to you, dad, stop doing that. You know, your, your parents have said to you, look, what you're doing is not good. It's wrong. And so you've been trying to fix yourself. You've, you've, you've read self-help books. You've, you've tried different things. And, you know, the problem is, if we don't know what the problem is, you know, then that's the problem, right? So if we try and um, maybe the problem is that we actually don't know what the problem is in the first place. So if we try and apply a solution to something when we don't know what the problem is, we could apply the wrong solution. So I think it's important that when we talk about this, we actually realise that probably, possibly we need to identify what the real problem is, what the real root cause of the problem is, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So when we're going to talk about that, we're going to navigate our way through Romans. And, you know, a guy called Paul, um, or we say Paul wrote the book of Romans, but he actually dictated it to like a scribe, and that scribe, his name was Tertius. And this guy would have been taking down all the notes that Paul said, and Paul's going, oh, yeah, don't forget this. And, you know, and so it's kind of like this jigsaw puzzle that we're going to be navigating through today. It's going to be complex. It's going to be a bit deep. But I want you to hang in with me because this is so powerful and so important. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start in Romans 7, and we're going to talk about a kind of like a description of what Paul's description of what it feels like when we're in this problem. And you might be able to relate to that. And then we're going to go to Romans 5 and actually identify what the root cause of the problem is. And then we're going to talk about a solution and application in Romans 6. So let's go to the start there in Romans 7. For those of you, if you want to look it up, go for it. But it says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Does anyone, can anyone relate to that? Can anyone relate to that struggle? And we need to ask ourselves the question, why do we keep doing what is wrong? I mean, why is it that we can't seem to, you know, do the right thing? We, we can train our animals to actually, you know, have less self-destructive behaviours than we have. And yet, when it comes to ourselves... We can read all the self-help books in the world and, you know, we can seem to find ourselves at that place where we've still got this problem. So Paul goes on, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do. Can anyone relate to that? Put your hand up or don't. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing it. I keep on going through that cycle that we've been talking about this morning. So now if I do what I do not want to do, and this is where Paul starts to identify it. So watch this. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. Okay? And this is kind of like this place where Paul starts to personify sin. He starts to actually kind of call it like a thing or an entity. And so what he's actually describing is that part of the problem is sin. And I think that you guys who can relate to, you know, whether you're a Christian or not, you can relate to this whole idea, this kind of like war that rages with inside you, this wrestling, this cycle of repeating. Why are we here again? Groundhog Day again. Why did I do that? You know? And, and so Paul kind of describes how it makes him feel. He says, oh, what a wretched man I am. 
Well, you know, and that means dejected, miserable, or shameful. What a what a wretched man I am. This just I feels helpless. So, what's the solution? Now, if you're a male, or you're like me, or you're a man, or, or possibly, but you know, then you want to know what 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 is it that I can do? What's what's the thing? You know, are there three steps that I can get to solve this? Um, you know, if, do I need to have some time doing community service? Um, do I need to go see uh, go through rehab for a couple of weeks? What what is that thing that I need to do? Okay, and so then we kind of say things like, and then I'll. And then I'll be able to work my way out of this. Have you ever found yourself saying that? So, you know, that's kind of like this place that we get stuck in. But, but we know that you've tried this. You, you guys are, you know, you've read self-help books. This doesn't necessarily work. And Paul starts to explain in the next verse that it's not what can I do, but who. And so he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who is it? Who's going to rescue me? And then this is where this concept of kind of like death comes into it, right? So what Paul's actually starting to open up is that on the back of sin is death, okay? So each time we sin, something actually dies. When you sin, you hurt a relationship, you hurt your marriage, you hurt you know, a relationship with your kids or your parents, and it could be even you're hurting your finances or your career. There is always some kind of death that follows sin. So Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death thanks be to god god's the person who's going to rescue me god is the who not the what okay so thanks be to god who delivers me through through jesus christ our lord now that's such a significant statement and i want to just spend a moment to describe this paul's letters to the romans and the corinthians and some of the other books in the bible he uses phrases like in him through him you know, and these phrases are where Paul's kind of explaining theology, and Paul's kind of explaining, you know, the 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 the, the, the concepts behind our relationship with God and our identity, and that's why he says things like, "Through Him, I am more than an overcomer." That's why he says these things. Now, if again, I'll, I'll go back to the fact, if you're like me, you tend to want to skip past the theology and you want to get to the parts where Paul talks about the practical. What do I need to do? But today, I want us to allow these things to move from our head to our heart. So I want to spend some time in this. You know, it's a bit like a, a, what I'm about to show you is a bit like a bear who has been held in a cage and he kind of paces around the outside of this cage, right? And so when this bear does this, if this cage is lifted off him, it's like the bear kind of still paces around the cage for a while. Yeah, And so that is what it's like with this concept of sin. And so this is the true problem or the root cause of the problem, okay? So here it is. It's, it's in Romans 5, and I'm going to kind of like give you a... This is the summary, right? What, what Paul would say is, Paul would say that a while ago, sin actually entered the world. Just give me one second. Sin entered the world, and sin entered the world through the act of one man, and that man was Adam. And so when sin entered the world, something like this kind of happened, okay? Things became dark, so to speak. And when sin entered the world through this one man, what Paul would say is that that actually resulted in sin being part of us 
as well. It's like we are placed in Adam. And so when Adam, let's pretend this ping pong ball is me. When I was placed in Adam, when Adam had that sin, when I was born, when I was born into this world, okay, because I'm a child of Adam, when I was born into this world, it's like I was born into sin. And you might say, oh, that's starting to sound a little bit, if you, especially if you're not a Christian, you might, well, that sounds a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit religious, Tim. What, what are you talking about here? But I think most people who are parents anyway, who have watched kids grow up, they definitely start off very innocent. But, you know, around about the age of two years old, something happens. And what happens? They start doing things that are wrong. Now, who taught them that? Did their mum or their dad, which are pretty much the only two human beings they've had contact with up to that age, did they sit them down and say, here, I want to teach you how to sin. I want to teach you how to do the wrong thing. No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and you know it doesn't happen because we are actually born into this sinful state. And it is because Adam was the first man who did it. And you might say, hang on a minute. Adam sinned, but I didn't sin back then. That's not fair. And you know what? That's true. It's not fair. But the fact is, it's true that we are born into sin. And even though it might not be fair, it's still true. Okay? So what the problem is that, you know, we are born into this sin, okay? And what Paul would say is, just as one unrighteous act of one man ensured that you were a slave to sin, in the same way... Oh, sorry, I just want to go back one thing there. So, you know, some of you guys might say things like, um, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm not really that bad. I mean, when I compare myself to Adolf Hitler, I'm not really that bad, right? So, but what, what, what Adam would say is, Adam would say that all of us were born into sin. Your mum, your dad, your kids, Billy Graham, even people who were good, Mother Teresa, even, you know, the Prime Minister of Australia, every single human being, all of us, were born into sin, okay? So I just wanted to make that clear. Now, in the same way as one unrighteous act ensured that you were born in this dirty slave-to-sin status, in the same way as that single righteous act uh, meant that you were a slave to sin, what happened was that the single righteous act of one man, specifically Jesus, and that act was that he died on the cross and he broke the power of sin over your life in the same way that the single righteous act of one man that will free you from sin and now you are no longer placed in Adam, but you are placed in Christ. Okay? So when Jesus died on the cross... He actually physically died. I know it's a story that was written a, long, a lot of years ago, 2,000 years ago, but he actually died as in his heart stopped beating and then he rose again. And when that happened, he broke the power of sin over you. So the key verse in Romans 5 is this. It says, For if by the trespass or the offence committed against, if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, then how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? How much more will that person reign in life? Now, that that kind of phrase that uh, I love Paul uses the words, you know, the descriptive words like abundant. So God's abundant, like lots of, heaps of, more than you need, provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, let's just kind of like replace that phrase for a moment with salvation. 
So it says, how much more would those who receive God's abundant salvation reign? Now everyone say it with me. Reign what? In life, through one man, Jesus Christ. Now, that in life is also so important. And why is it important? It's important because if you've grown up in church and you've remembered the scripture, John 3, 16, off the heart, you'll know that when you die, that you have eternal life. And that's true. And that is something that is true because Jesus died on the cross and because you're being placed in Christ. But what Paul's not talking about eternal life here. Paul's talking about in life while we're still in the world. Yeah. And what I want you to know, what Paul would say is, you can reign in life because because of God's abundant provision of grace and his gift of righteousness through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That is why you can reign in life and that is why you can overcome the power of sin. So let's go to Romans 6 now. Okay, so he says, we, we, us Christians, he's talking to Christians here, we are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? To which you guys might say, well, I can tell you how I can live in it. It's really quite simple. I don't, I don't, I don't try at all. I actually just do what I feel like doing when I do it. And, you know, if I have a selfish urge, I just go for it. I don't need a stick it note on the window of my car or a reminder on my phone to say it's time to sin now. I don't need any of that stuff. But what the truth of it is, is that what Paul's really asking is, If we have died to sin, then why? Why would we continue to live in it one more second? What he's saying is, if you have died to sin because you're no longer in Adam, you're no longer placed in Adam, you're now placed in Christ, why would you continue to live in sin one more second? And we kind of go, "Uh, I don't know. And that's how exactly Paul starts his next sentence. He says, Oh, don't you know? And we go, no, I I really don't know. And he says this, don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Don't you know? And we go, well, now I know, but I still don't know. What is that? What does that mean? And, you know, that word baptised was actually a common word that, you know, they used to use 2,000 years ago. And what Paul means when he uses the word baptised is placed in, to immerse in. So what Paul's saying is, Don't you know that all of us who have been placed in Christ were also placed in his death? And you might go, okay, okay, I still kind of don't get what you're referring to here. And so he describes it that because we have been placed into Christ, we have a new identity. And, and, And this is where he says it. He says... This is what he's saying. He's saying, when you were in Adam, when you were in Adam, what was true of Adam was true of you. And when you were taken out of Adam, thanks to the one act of Jesus dying on the cross, then you were placed in Christ. And what is true of Christ is true of you. So our response is, whoa, okay, hang on a minute. What's true of me then? To which he says, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through the baptism in death. In other words, it's like we died on the cross too. It's like we died on the cross too. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so Christ died, as in his heart stopped beating, he stopped breathing. 
And then he was resurrected. He came to life again in real life. We're not just talking about a ghost or a spirit. We're saying his body came back to life. So just as Christ was raised to the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So just as he was given new life when he became alive again with that resurrection, us too, when we go through this same baptism as part of our salvation, we too get a brand new life because we're placed in Christ. And it's another way of saying you have been born again. You have a new life, okay? So he says in verse 6, For we know that our old self, old self, our old self was crucified with him so that the body which used to be ruled by sin will be done away with. It's, it's now powerless, the body that used to be ruled by sin. And that we should no longer, no longer be slaves to sin. And here it is, guys. You are no longer a slave to sin. Yeah. You are no It does not hold power over you. It is rendered powerless. So I want everyone in the room, everyone online to say it together. Let's say it together. Say, I am no longer a slave to sin. Ready? One, two, three. I am no longer a slave to sin. Let's say it loudly. I am no longer a slave to sin. Let's say it really slowly. I am no longer a slave to sin. Let's whisper it. I am no longer a slave to sin. And why am I asking you to say it in all those different ways? Because I want it to sink in your heart, guys. I want you to know that you are no longer a slave to sin. Because you are placed in Christ. Now, you say, <laughs> sin doesn't seem powerless to me. I still struggle. I know what you're saying, Tim. I've actually said the sinner's prayer, but I still struggle. And, I, and, and you know what? Paul would say, yep, 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 yep. But maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know what, I'm, what we're talking about here. Maybe you don't know that you used to be bounded by it. But now, because you've died with Christ and being born again, and because you are now placed in Christ. Now, maybe you didn't know, but maybe you need to know. Maybe the thing is that now you are no longer a slave to sin. So he says in verse 7, because, because anyone who has died has been set, say it, has been set free, has been set free from sin. You know, you can go to a, a cemetery and you can try and talk to all the dead people in the graves and say, can anyone please sin for me? None of them are going to do it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so is that the case with you. Yes. Because God gave you this great gift of yes. righteousness and grace. So, verse 10. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. Who is talking about Jesus here? So the death that Jesus died, he died once and for all. He actually died for all of us. Not only that, he died once and for all. In other words, when he died on the cross and when he rose again, that death, he doesn't need to repeat it again. That one event has broken the power of sin over your life. It has been done and dealt with once and for all. And that's why he said it is finished when he was on the cross. So in the same way as Jesus, Paul says, in the same way as Jesus, I want you to count or consider. I want you to consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. And to which we say, well, how do I do that? And he says in the next verse, therefore, here's how. Therefore, do not let, I want you to know, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey, obey its evil's desires. I want you to know that you have a choice. 
When you are a child of God and when you are placed in Christ, you now have a power to make a choice. It's a choice. It's a do not let choice. There's like a fork in the road. Am I going to pick that way or that way? So he would say, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer, as in would you like, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather than doing that, offer yourself to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life, are those who have been brought to death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what Paul's starting to talk about is he's trying to say, offer your hands to God, offer your feet to God, offer your mind to God, offer your tongue to God, offer every part of your body to God. So instead of letting sin reign in your body, rather offer yourself to God. And so if sin comes knocking at the door and asks and says, can I have your eyes? You say no. If sin comes knocking at the door and asks, can I have your feet? Can I get you to walk to that place where you go and do that sin thing? No. When sin comes knocking and says, can I have your mind? Is it okay if I let you think about this thing and stew on it and stew on it and build up anger and hatred in your heart and unforgiveness? Is that, is that kind of like, you know, can I, if sin starts knocking and doing that, you need to say, no. I am placed in Christ. This has no longer got a hold of me. If sin comes knocking and says, can I have your hands? Can I, get, can, can I use your hands to do some destructive things? The answer is no. So, therefore, he says, verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your body, for sin shall no longer be your master. And I want you to say to the person next to you, whether you're at home on the couch or whether you're here in the building, I want you to say, sin shall not be my master. Let's all say it together. Sin shall not be my master. Okay. So it's just, you, now right now, you, if you've been journeying with me so far, what we've been talking about, you're saying, okay, I think I'm starting to get what you're saying, Tim. I think I, think, I think I understand what you're saying. But now what? And so this is our application. This is what I call the four Ds, okay? There's like three dimensions and the fourth dimension is time. So, you like that? The four Ds? Everyone like that? Cool. So the first one is declare. I've been starting to do it with you today. But what I want you to do is, when you're at that point of temptation, when you're at that point where you start to think about, oh, I'm going to do that thing, I'm going to go back to that place, do that thing. When, you, when you're at that point, I want you to actually say it out loud. I want you to verbalise the truth. And I want you to actually speak it into the air. I don't want you to just think it. I want you to let it hit the air, right? I want you to say, sin is not my master. Everyone say it with me now. Sin is not my master. I am not a slave to sin. Say it with me. I am not a slave to sin. Then after that, I want you to decide. I want you to decide which side of the argument you're on. Because if you are still in Adam... This is how you will argue. You'll say things like, well, my dad did that. My mum did that. You know, I'm not perfect. You know, alcohol got my uncle. You'll say these type of things. You'll make excuses and you will be arguing from sin's side of the argument. But if you are placed in Christ, you'll say things like this. Sin is not my master, for I am alive and I live to God. You'll say... I am not a slave to sin. 
I am more than an overcomer because he died for me and that part of me died and now I'm alive to Christ. That is the side of the argument that I want you to make that decision in your heart and I want you to argue from that side of it when you're wrestling with it. Now, lastly, uh, sorry, number three, a daily devotion, okay? Now, I like to do my devotion in the morning because why? Because if I do my devotion in the night, I just go to sleep. But if I do it in the morning, I've got a whole day to get things right, if you know what I mean. So as part of your devotional, I would like you to, remember I said, offer all the parts of your body. As part of your devotion in the morning, when you wake up tomorrow morning, I would like you to say prayers like this, God, I offer my mind to you. I give you my mind and my thinking. Direct my thoughts. Do not let me think things which are of sin and evil nature. But Lord God, would you please help me in this? And I want you to pray things like this. I want you to pray things like, my eyes, God, I'm not going to watch pornography again. I'm not going to do this thing which causes disconnection with the relationships that I have in my family again. I recognize that that is actually causing a disconnection between either me and God or me and others. And so, God, use my eyes to glorify you. Purify me in this way. And, you know, your feet, the place where you're going to go. I want you to think of every part of your body. God, direct the feet of my, be a lamp unto my feet. Direct my path, Lord. Let me be someone who goes the place that you want to go and doesn't go to the places which lead to death. So, when you do this daily devotion, the 4D, the fourth dimension is time. Over time, you'll be able to detect. You'll become aware. You'll recognize where God is inviting you to freedom. Because God might go, hey, don't go down there. Hey, don't think that thought. Hey, don't hang out with those people. You know, because he will direct your steps. So I want you to detect and be aware of it. And that is the things that I'd love for you guys to practically apply today. So my goal for you today was that you would be released into the freedom which God intended you to live in. And because now that you know, Paul said, you know, now he talked about knowing. So now that you do know what we've talked about today, that those who are in Christ are not a slave to sin. And so my heart is that you will be released into freedom. And so I'm going to hand it over to Rose and they're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar. And then after that, I am going to pray. We're going to pray together. So.